Hello again, everyone. Welcome back. We've got another podcast episode coming to you via London, Ontario, the happening city that it is. My name is Alec. I'm your host today, and I'm incredibly excited to be joined by the one and only Jessica Barata, who is a mixed methods research lead at Lobla Digital. And if you're a Canadian, you know exactly what that is. And if you're American, you're like, huh? Imagine like all your grocery store, drugstore, everything, but instead it's just one company across the entire country. That's Loblaws in Canada. <laughs> Hi, Jessica. Hey, Alec. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be speaking at this year's UXR conference. Many thanks to you and the team for this opportunity to chat today. Amazing. Um, you know, working at a company like that, you got a, you got a lot of pressure uh, on you. There's a lot of stuff going on that you guys work on every day. Yes. Super excited to be part of the Loblaws organization, as you shared, Alec. We're the digital arm for the 100-year-old enterprise, Lobo Companies Limited. So we design, build, operate, and evolve our digital experiences for some of Canada's largest brands, which span across grocery, pharmacy, beauty, apparel, and loyalty spaces, amongst others. I'm incredibly lucky to lead a team of researchers that are focused on the PC Express online grocery platform and our extended e-commerce marketplace. So they, they must make you like memorize that when you join the company, if you're going to be able to recite it that well. <laughs> not at all, not at all. But it's definitely, there's a huge scope and we are so lucky to be serving Canadians across the country. So I feel incredibly proud of the different spaces we work in. Amazing. Um, we got to start, I think, at the beginning. Now you have your talk, which you're going to get into, is about building these kind of giant quantitative research programs, how they're powerful, how to set them up, all that kind of stuff. We're going to get into that. But that's not really where you started. You're not originally a quant researcher running quant research programs. You got a bit of a different story. So take us back to the beginning. Where does this start for you? Yeah, sounds good. So my journey as a researcher, I think, actually started long before I even really knew what research was. I always like to say that I have a deep love for questions. And as a child, I was fascinated in solving problems creatively. I used to be obsessed with visual puzzles like Where's Waldo? And no surprise, more recently, Wordles caught my attention. <laughs> Reflecting back, though, it's uh, the questions that really drove that passion. So it felt really instinctive to choose a professional career in design. I'm not going to lie to you. Wordle defeated me very hard. <laughs> it, it definitely affected my, my ego, my sense of self-worth. Um, so I'm very happy for you that you've been able to find success there because I, I, am, I, I am struggling. Alec, it's not good every day. There's definitely some toughies. Um, but yeah, since, since essentially moving into a career for design, I've held a few different roles, both in leadership and as an individual contributor in the different disciplines of UX, so visual design, product design, and more heavily in the past year's UX research. So I've been really enjoying mixing methods to solve questions and solve problems. And I think it's allowed me to bring in my design training as well through that process. Got it. That's cool. So you started, I, I imagine, mostly as a qualitative researcher originally. Is that right? Well, I think primarily focusing on designing and then exactly that, bringing qualitative research into my practice. Um, I went back to a few different programs in my years to just continuously learn and get deeper into qual. And then that naturally brought me into quant and then a combination of mixing. Talk to me about that transition from being a little bit heavier into the design space to going full-time focus on research, which you know, you, you're definitely like full-fledged researcher now, <laughs> given all the stuff you've been up to. How did that transition look for you? And, and what did that kind of feel like as you went from, you know, that design role or those design roles to something different? I think it became a lot about the decisions I was making through the design process and the types of data that I was interested in. 
Um, so at first it was a curiosity, right? Like we're looking at the why and how questions, how users are interacting with what we're designing. Um, and naturally that started to lead to the scale type questions of what and how many are using this. So I think it became this really natural progression. And along the way through coaching and, and leading other designers, I knew a lot of the questions naturally bridged into research and larger scale research questions. Uh, so it, I had, I have to say it was a very organic but natural feeling to be moving over. I think that the questions I was just asking started to change and it naturally just led me to this path of moving more full-fledged into research. That's awesome. So so then all of a sudden, you're not just on your own anymore. You're building out a team, you're doing some things. When did that all start for you? Yes. So I think I knew that I really wanted to get into people leadership when I was at IBM. I I loved the challenges I was working on there as an individual contributor to start. I was very fortunate to be given the responsibility of leading other others team members. Um, but moving into research leadership was a very conscious decision. I I was incredibly lucky to be one of the first senior design researchers at Loblaw Digital, and it naturally led to this opportunity to help shape the path for what qual research could look like or alongside other UX leaders and and other folks along the team. So to get back, I guess, to the original question, when did the question of leadership come in? It was through those experiences and then meeting other folks at the organization that would allow me to foster a passion for qualitative research and eventually move into mixed methods research lead. At some point, you start doing some more number crunching, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that that can definitely be intimidating for some folks. Were you kind of eager to jump in or was it a little bit intimidating for you when you were getting started with that? So absolutely. It's always intimidating when we think about the scale and impact of what these numbers mean and how we can formulate into insights. So I remember thinking when I first moved into my role, like, wow, this is an incredibly exciting opportunity to look at these numbers and scale. But then also I was just as intrigued to mix what we were learning through our qualitative research. So I think it was a combination of both. You essentially are looking at the data with a different lens of what are we discovering through our qualitative sessions? What are we seeing in the numbers? Could we be asking our questions differently to get to different results? So it it almost opened up these new ways of looking at the data and different challenges to do so. How much data does Labas get on a given day? <laughs> I feel like it's a huge amount of input from a lot of people. Yeah, that's a tough question to answer. Like, I'd say that there's no shortage of data. We definitely have an ocean. Um, <laughs> on the grocery side, we're, we're servicing millions of orders across the country, right? So we can just imagine the, the amounts of data. For me, I think the interesting challenge is how we look at the data to really uncover the patterns, uncover some of the behaviors that we're seeing underneath. And then formulating that into succinct enough insights to really move the needle when it comes to improving on our experiences and our products. So let's let's start talking about your talk a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think really struck me when we were chatting about this was it really felt like even though it was definitely a measurement program, heavy in the quant stuff, it felt like there was a lot of value and improvements that you brought to the table because of your qualitative research background. When you kind of made this transition, you took over this program where you're looking at huge amounts of, I, I presume there's surveys, um, you know, I guess there's probably other stuff in there too, like maybe it's grocery orders and order sizes and all that kind of stuff. Did it kind of strike you a little bit that a lot of the information wasn't necessarily helpful or wasn't being framed in a helpful way? Did, was that something that you noticed when you moved in? 
I mean, I think there was a little bit of that, but it's also, I think we were keeping in mind how much our services were changing throughout the pandemic. It was such an interesting time to be servicing customers. Of course, this brought on new behaviors, this brought on new processes for our team. So I think naturally the question came more about extensibility in what we were, in what we were asking our customers and really making sure we're able to learn. I guess it might be helpful to have the context for those listening of, the program is a large-scale experience measurement program, as you said, Alex. We use various surveys with primarily quantitative questions that capture feedback. And it's historically been utilized by the business to keep constant pulses on how our customers are feeling about their experiences over time and really build that confidence when making decisions about the service. So, I mean, where the idea for my talk came from and in the first weeks onboarding onto my role, I remember just thinking there's so many different surveys in place. And what was really obvious up front is that each survey actually used different strategies. Some of our surveys were sent to customers who were placing their order online. Others were pushed to customers directly after they picked up the grocery order. And others would kind of sit idle waiting for our customers to give feedback. And the list goes on and on. And I just remember thinking there's so many different types. And I think where my qualitative training kind of helped is I started to think about, are these supposed to work together? Um, how do they work together? <laughs> uh, so conducting a lot of my own industry research, I I was really curious on why there weren't more resources around this. So as I was saying earlier, it was a really lucky problem to solve. And I think coming in with my lens was maybe giving a unique view to, to the problem alongside working along the other leaders on our team. I definitely feel like anytime you have a lot of change, the the value that folks who index on qual becomes just much more so valuable because you know it's less about optimizing, it's less about measuring, it's more about understanding like what's actually going on. How do we think about a thing? And in something like the pandemic, I mean my purchasing behaviors instantly changed, mm -hmm. still have changed. And the way I think about success is, has also changed quite a bit too. Um, what were some of the programs that, or the changes that you had to, uh, that, that Loblaws did, that you had to kind of figure out how to measure? I, I know they've launched a bunch of programs early on in the pandemic to, to try and help with the, uh, limit the spread, let's say. Mm -hmm. I think it, it's an interesting one because these types of surveys, we know they're going out to large um, percentage of customers, these surveys. So we really wanted to make sure that, as I was saying earlier, they were extensible. So in some ways, it became about less of the specific processes or changes that we made, but more about how do we capture feedback more broadly. Simultaneously, I had rituals set up with our online grocery general manager and many of our closest partners in product design, product and tech. And it was interesting because I kept actually hearing a similar question from all of them about the program. And that was, are we hearing any feedback from customers about X? And you can imagine they'd fill in the blank with a part of the experience they were curious about. So the researcher in me actually found that question just really stimulating because on the surface, they were directly asking me if the customer was providing feedback on this new initiative or a part of their experience. But indirectly, they were asking me, were the surveys set up to capture data on that topic? So I think the challenge actually became less about the in in specific individual initiatives, but more about how do we capture feedback on the broader set that encompasses all of these changes in knowing too that we're trying to capture the data longitudinally. So we can't necessarily change the question too much or else we'll capture different data at different points. This sounds very hard. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I have to say, like when I first jumped into my role, I was feeling the same. I was like, this is a really daunting, like, I, I don't know if I could do this. Um, but I think what's been incredibly helpful is um, just the excitement and passion that we see for this type of work, not only on how we use the data internally, but in through all the conversations we've had as a research team and having those conversations with the business to really promote that it is a very important work and it can significantly impact 
the initiatives we work on, the processes, but even the course of the direction for the business itself. I think that's really exciting stuff. I'm, you know, anybody who talks to me for long enough knows how much I think that research can and should be playing a larger role in the decisions that we make, not just on a tactical level, on the strategic level. And so it's always amazing to see new ways of learning things for the organization. And this is potentially another major sort of feather in the proverbial cap Mm -hmm. uh, that that we can be using to drive exactly that. And it has the benefit of the fact that everybody on the leadership team loves numbers. They Mm -hmm. love seeing (laughs) averages, percentages, growth, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Has has that kind of been something that you've noticed? Because you've done a lot of the qualitative stuff before or heavy on that. Um, Now you're doing a lot of number stuff. Do you see a different level of engagement from the people you work with? Hmm, That's a great question. I wouldn't say it's a different level of engagement, but there's different levels of curiosity. I think as we build for large populations, um, or even just generally, if we want to have some of that confidence in seeing how our products or experiences are performing, I think quantitative data feeds that curiosity really, really well. But what I think feeds it even stronger is a combination of qualitative and quantitative. So we really understand the why, but we also understand the what and then how it's impacting our customers. So I always like to think of it in that lens. And I think the team that I have is incredible that we have such incredible expertise for qualitative, for quantitative, that it's really about coming together to paint a story that gives and feeds all of those curiosity points that the business comes to us with. Let's look forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to do this amazing talk and breakdown of all this stuff so that everybody can go home and build a massive measurement program in no time flat. Where do you hope we, we are in a year or a few years time having more integrated something like this into our practice? Um, do you kind of have a hope or, or a vision for, for what this could look like in the future? Mm, great question. So I think for me, I'm, I'm really fortunate to be part of an organization that really values this type of program work. And I've seen the impact it can have. I've seen the impact that research and thinking about the design of the program and strategy could have. And it makes me really excited for a UX research craft um, to think about the opportunities this could open up for others. It's so interesting, Alec, like as I was writing up my proposal for the conference, I really thought about these two different distinct audiences in my mind. And the first is being those that might have this type of program in place, and the others are those that don't currently have a program like this in place. And I think each of it affords different opportunities or futures. So for those that have this type of organization, um, this type of program in place in their org, I think it'll encourage them to think about how they reevaluate how all of their different surveys or mechanisms work together. And it might show them opportunities or gaps in their research. For those who don't have this type of experience measurement program in place, I think it's going to encourage them to think about how this could benefit their practice. It might even encourage them to think about having dedicated roles for this type of work. Um, Naturally, whenever we build a program, the roots and the foundation are really important. And I think as a concept, a lot of people can understand that. But for me, I'm, I'm really excited currently in my work to think about how as a team, we might adapt our processes around this new type of data that we're learning and how we can keep socializing um, with this new design. So I think lots of possible futures, but ultimately is having more folks dedicated on this type of work. A very good goal for us to have, I would say. This is cool. Looking forward to hearing more about this. Looking forward to taking some notes. Um, <laughs> you know, we've got we've got our own measurement programs that we think we could probably le- level up here at Learners. We got some surveys that we put out. Um, so maybe who knows? Maybe we'll be implementing the Jessica Barata method <laughs> soon at at Learners. I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, your talk's going to be coming up. It's June sixth and seventh, one of those two days. For those of you who are interested. 
you can actually attend in person this year, which we're very excited about. There's only a few hundred spots available. So if you want to come, grab a ticket soon. And on top of that, if you prefer to watch at home, we also have a free, free, no cost to you remote stream. So if you want to learn on June 6th and 7th, there will be no financial barriers for you to do so. Right? We're really excited about that. So hope you join us one way or another. Jessica, thank you so much for making the time. And we're going to catch you on the next episode with another UXR Comp speaker coming up soon. Thanks so much, everyone.